to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to preach to you this morning a message that the Lord actually gave me two weeks ago, and, uh, but he told me not to preach it until this Sunday. And I've entitled it, thank you, uh, The Tipping Point. And you'll understand a little bit more uh, what, I, what that means uh, in just a minute, The Tipping Point. But Acts chapter 16, and I want to begin at uh, just two verses, verse 25, 26. And here's what it says. It's a story, so we're going to look at this story, so keep your Bible open there. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Amen. You can be seated. Um, I'm going to share something with you this morning that's very personal to me. I'm going to be transparent, a little vulnerable. Uh, When I get through, you may look at the person sitting next to you and say, whew, our pastor needs therapy. Uh, And I want to talk about something, so let me just dive into it. There is something called the winter solstice, okay? How many of you are familiar with the winter solstice? All right, that means the rest of you aren't. And most people aren't familiar with the winter solstice, but let me explain it to you. It's an astronomical moment when the sun reaches the Tropic of Capricorn, and the result is that you have the shortest day and the longest night of the year in the northern hemisphere in terms of daylight. Now, the winter solstice this year is December 21st, 2019. So that's this upcoming Saturday. It also marks the official start of winter. So we're still in the fall, but Saturday will be the first day of winter. Now here's what will happen on the winter solstice this upcoming Saturday. You will have the longest amount of darkness that you can have that day. And you will have the shortest amount of light that you can have that day. Now, there's also a summer solstice, and it occurs on June 21st. It's the opposite of the winter solstice. You have the longest amount of daylight and the shortest amount of darkness on that particular day. It also is the official start of summer. So think about in June how at 9 o'clock you're in the house, 9.15, 9.30, and it's still light outside. That's why. So the summer solstice and the winter solstice are these two important dates in our year. So let me just explain what's been happening, and this is a thing with me, okay? Since June 21st or 22nd, whatever the winter solstice was this year, since that day to right now, the days have been getting slowly getting shorter in the hours of daylight and longer in the hours of darkness. Now, Daylight savings time helps offset that, so we don't really notice it as much. But on November 3rd, daylight savings time ended, okay? And did you notice that since then, it's dark. It's dark a lot every day. As a matter of fact, from November 3rd to December 21st, this, part, this season we've been in, it's when you have the longest, darkest period, so you've got 
you know, the, the six hours of, uh, 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 or rather the 12 hours of daylight and it being dark by 6 p.m. And uh, the, the good news is, though, is that after December 21st, which will be a week from today, December 22nd, you may not notice it. You're not going to notice it. It's a slow process. But from that day forward, the days will start getting longer in terms of daylight. All right, now you're not going to notice it right away because it's like a minute a day. But just hang on. Within about a month, you'll notice that it doesn't get dark like it's 6.05 or whatever, but it's 6.10. And then it'll be 6.15 and then 6.20. And you'll want to say, hey, days are getting a little longer. And that's because we're moving past the winter solstice to the summer solstice. And that's going to be in June 2020, and then it'll start all over again. Now, if you're wondering why am I bringing this astronomical study to you in a sermon, it's because... I'm just going to be really transparent here. I personally like lots of daylight and the shorter nights. I don't, I don't like 12 hours plus of darkness. I'm not a dark guy. I'm a light guy. You understand? I like it. We, we can finish working, and then there's still three or four more hours, and I can go play nine holes of golf. I can load my boat up and go fishing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can, I can do those things. I can go outside and work or in the yard, work in the yard, get some things done. But when you got these 12 hours a day, I mean, 6 o'clock, my body's like, it's time to go to bed. And I hate it. I just hate it. I turn on every light in the house. I'm telling you, I need therapy. I turn on every light in the house, okay, I, because I just, I need light, and I don't like the darkness I just, I don't like it. There are certain places in the country, I'm just going to go off the path, like everywhere in the United States, they have it recorded. Certain sections of America has longer, more days of sun, sunny days than others. Did you know that? Like we were just up in Fort Wayne, Indiana a few weeks ago when I went up there to go deer hunting, and it was overcast all day, and it will stay like that till like spring. That drive me crazy. I used to live up there, but I was a kid, so you don't notice it as a kid, but now I'm an adult, and I'm like, I need sun, you know? And I woke up this morning, and there was blue skies, and sun was shining. Like, the perfect day to me would be blue skies, sunshine, and 72 degrees every day, 365 days a year. Can anybody say amen in this Pentecostal church? So you understand me. I'm, I'm letting you get in my head, which could be dangerous. But I'm just letting you get in my head. So this is a thing with me. I'm not just making this up for a sermon. Ask Leah. She will tell you. I'll say, babe, it's getting dark. I hate this. And I said, but the winter solstice is coming. It's coming. That's the hope. I'll say, if we can just hang on. It's November, it's November 17th, but if we can just, let me see, there's 30, 30 days in, 13, 21, 34 days, Lee. If we can just hold on for 34 more days. I have these conversations, 34 more days. When we get to December, December 22nd, ha, it's, gonna, it's a tipping point, and it's going to change, and then things reverse astronomically, and the earth can't do anything about it, and we're going to start going the other direction. I do that. It's my coping mechanism. And then I enjoy it all the way up into June. We have all those daylights. But then I'm like, I'm like, it's just, I'm pitiful. I need help. Because the closer it gets to June 21st, I start going, oh, 
oh, no, this is no good because when we hit the summer solstice, ah, it'll reverse. And at least, thank God, daylight savings time, at least it'll be light for a while. And I have to just, I'm, I'm a mental bastard on this. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just, I'm a basket case, y'all. I'm just telling you. But you say, Pastor, you know, what are you doing? Here's what I have to do from that, like, that little, especially that period of November 3rd to December 24th. What I'm doing is that I am generating a personal kind of hope for a tipping point moment when things are going to shift and change in the other direction for better. So this time next Sunday, I'll be really happy. The reason that I'm bringing this up in the beginning of this message is because there is a story in the Bible that I want to take that concept and I want to overlay it with this story. There, there was a, a man called Paul and another man called Silas. Paul and Silas, they are missionaries. And they are on the missionary journey that God's called them to. When you get to Acts chapter 16, let me just use these terms to help you understand. It's the summer solstice. It's daylight savings time. Everything's going good. You start at chapter 16 verse 1, you'll see where Paul meets this young man named Timothy. He is a promising future leader of the church. And Paul takes him under his wing to coach him and be a spiritual mentor to him, knowing that this guy is someone that when I'm gone, I can entrust the future of the church in his hands. How many know we need to be training our next generation, the younger generation, now? And that's why I believe in the next generation, why I believe in, 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 in putting them to work. And it was just great seeing, like Jonathan this morning, that young man leading us in worship. And so this happens. It's, it's summertime. Well, Paul's praying. Where do we go next? What do we do? Suddenly he has a vision. And he sees this man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And the vision ends. And Paul comes out of it. He goes to Silas and he says, I know where we're going next. We're going to, to Greece. We're going to Macedonia. God's given us the divine direction. They're like, great, let's go. So now they had divine direction. And they start, which means that they're in the center of God's will. How many in this church want to be in the center of God's will? I do. That's a prior priority for me every day of my life. Well, they get, they get to Macedonia, and they go to the city of Philippi. Philippi. And they go there, and they start ministering, and they encounter a woman named Lydia, and she hears the gospel, and she gets saved and baptized, and her family gets saved, and she looks at Paul and Silas, and you can kind of read between the lines, look, I'm pretty well-to-do, and you guys... I appreciate what you've done. You need a base of operations. Come to my house. I've got rooms. You can stay there, and you live here, and then you minister in my city out of my house. So God's opened up support for them and a base of operations. Y'all, it is summertime for Paul and Silas. But then daylight savings time ends. Oh, I'm sure the ministry went good for a while. We don't know how long. But daylight savings time ends. Paul and Silas are walking through the square, and they encounter a young girl. She's a slave girl who is possessed by a demonic spirit that's called a spirit of divination. We would say that she can tell the fortune of people. Now, fortune teller. It's, how many of you know the devil can't, is not, doesn't know the future? He's not God. Only God knows the future. So you say, well, how does that work? Well, when you have a demon that lives in a society full of sinful people, the devil can manipulate sinful people because he's their God. 
So the devil can tell somebody this is what's going to happen in your future. Then he can go into that situation and actually manufacture and orchestrate and make things happen. And then it looks like the fortune teller was giving, you know, t- telling the future. But all it was is just Satan manipulating it for the sake of taking advantage of people. And that's what's happening. Well, the devil sees Paul and Silas moving into his territory in Philippi. And he is threatened by this. And so I think this is ingenious. I don't want to give the devil any credit, but I think this is ingenious of of the devil. Um, He decides instead of like foaming at the mouth and yelling and screaming at him, you know, manifesting, what he does is that he motivates this girl to follow Paul and Silas everywhere they go. She's right on the, and she says to all the people, she's yelling out loud, these are the servants of the most high God who show unto us the way of salvation. They're it. These are it. These are the servants of the most high God. Everybody look, look at them. They tell us how to be saved. this is the, you need to listen to these people. Well, everything she said was true. They were servants of the Most High God, and they were preaching the gospel. But here's the problem. Paul did not want his ministry to be affiliated with her ministry. What the devil's plan was, was to get Paul's ministry wrapped up in his ministry. He was already established in that town. They knew it was the black arts, and if he could get them connected with that girl and make everybody think that they were part of what he was already doing, then he would dismantle any effort they would have in Philippi and he would get the credit instead of God. Pretty smart, huh? Well, Paul saw immediately what was going on and through the apostolic power that he had, he turned and he looked at that girl and he said to the demon, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her right now. And of course, he did. The demon did. It did. And it came out. It had to to obey Paul. Well, that that girl was delivered. Hallelujah. The problem was her masters are infuriated because they're making money off of her and this demon. And so when they see that their ways of earning money has been taken from them, they, they're infuriated. They grab Paul and Silas. They drag him to the police. They make false accusations against them. They drag them then before the magistrates, falsely accuse them of things they weren't guilty of. The magistrates believe them, don't do any investigating. They command that Paul and Silas be beaten with rods, even though Paul is a Roman citizen, he's not supposed to be beaten with rods. They beat him. They don't even ask him that. Beat him with rods, Paul and Silas, and then they go to the jail and say to the jailer, Make these men as secure as you can. Well, he puts them in maximum security. He takes them down in the inner dungeon, and he locks their feet in stocks, and now they're sitting in the darkness, and, 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 and Luke says it's the midnight hour, it's the darkest hour, and they're down there beaten and bloody, and, and it's, it, listen, it's the winter solstice. It is the long, dark night. Now, let me ask you a question. You ever been there? I think we all have. And by the way, be careful who you affiliate with. Do you notice Paul wouldn't affiliate with that demon? I want to preach that. I skipped over one of my notes there. I want to come back to it. Be careful who you connect with. Be careful who you do business with. Be careful who you listen to on podcasts. Who, what preachers you listen to, what, what material you read. Be careful who you date. Be careful who you're considering to marry. There's a lesson to be learned there. And so uh, here's Paul and Silas, beaten, bleeding, wrongly in prison. Nobody knows where they are. No legal help to call. No one to bail them out. The future is uncertain. Have you ever been there? Everything's going good. Everything's going great. 
Marriage is strong. Kids are doing fine. Behaving, doing good in school. They're involved in sports, really, really doing well, excelling there. Your relationships are all good. No rifts, no, no problems there. You're in church. Your spiritual life's strong. Your health is good. Your business is great. You're making money. You know, everything's going great. And then one day, suddenly, the ground gives way underneath you. You ever been there? And things start going wrong. And one thing leads to another. And it's like this goes bad and this your relationships go south and your kids start acting up and your marriage gets a little rocky and, and then some unexpected bills come up. You don't have as much money as you used to have. And things start going bad and before you know, and then your faith gets shaken. And you start wondering, God, where are you? And God, what's going on? And God, I don't understand. I think we've all been there before, haven't we? So what do you do when you are experiencing the long dark night, the winter solstice? Let's look at what Paul and Silas did. The Bible says that in the midnight hour, with their backs beaten, bloody, worn, nobody coming to help them, no attorneys, no phone call to get them out, just sitting there alone, no help, what they didn't do is they didn't whine and grumble and complain and moan and groan and say, woe is me. And, and Paul looked at Silas and said, I didn't sign up for this. And Silas said, Paul, I know about this. If we get out of this, I'm done. I'm done with God. I'm done with ministry. Uh, this, this stinks. Um, they didn't do any of that. Isn't it amazing, though, the people that when things in life unravel and it gets rough, the people that do two things, they blame God or they leave God. Never have understood that. We blame God for things he had nothing to do with. We get bitter at God because something tragic happens and we want to blame God. It's, listen to me, listen to me. It's not God's fault. We live in a sinful world. Death is part of life because we live in a sinful world. We live in a corrupt society. Bad things happen to good people. And it's not God's fault. And the worst thing you can do is blame God or be bitter at God. Listen to me. When life unravels and you're in the vortex, you don't want to blame God or be bitter at God. Let me tell you something. You want to run to God. You don't want to criticize him and ditch your faith. You want to grab a hold of him and say, I'm not going to let go because this is the only way I'm going to get through this. So they didn't do that. The Bible says they did two things. They prayed and they sang hymns to God. They prayed and they sang hymns to God. Now, let's talk about this. Now, prayer. Now, if you were here last Sunday, I preached on this. I preached last Sunday from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So if you were here, you should remember that. If not, let me just tell you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, why am I bringing up a sermon and a text from last Sunday? Because what I told you last week is you need to pray. And, and that prayer is composed of praise and adoration and then supplication, make you present, pre present your request to God. And then there's thanksgiving. Say, God, I thank you in advance. Why am I re-preaching my message today? There's a reason. Because it was written to the church at Philippi. Philippians. Get it? Philippi. This event happened before 
Paul wrote his letter to the church at Philippi. So when Paul said to them, don't be anxious about anything you find yourself in, but just pray. Spend some time adoring the Lord and then tell him what you need and then just offer up thanksgiving unto him and God will give you peace and everything will work out all right. He had lived it. They knew this story. They knew that he had lived this out and that's why I'm bringing it back to you. That's exactly what they did. I think what they did is exactly what he told them in Philippians 4. I think they looked at each other and they said, it's the midnight hour. I think we better pray. And Paul and Silas started adoring the Lord and worshiping and praising the Lord. And then they said, God, we're in a prison. you got to help us. Nobody knows where we are. Nobody, Nobody's around. We don't have anybody to contact. They've beaten us. Our future's uncertain. God, you're going to have to show up and do something miraculous, God. We need you. And after they were finished asking, they said, now, Lord, we just want to thank you in advance that this is going to happen. The, the victory's coming. Deliverance is coming. Freedom is coming, Lord. We're looking for it, Lord. They practiced what Paul preached to that very church that they established in that town. And then they sang hymns to God. I don't know what they sang. They didn't, didn't, they didn't have how great thou art in amazing grace. So I don't know what they sang, but they had their own versions of hymns. Maybe they were the Psalms. I don't know. The Bible seems to differentiate those two. They were writing hymns early on in the church. So I think these were sort of brand new hymns. But Paul and Silas sang. Now let me tell you something. What I've learned when I've been through the tough times of life, sometimes the hardest thing to do when you're in a tough time is sing. I sing when I'm happy. Right? But when I'm not happy, I don't feel like singing. But they didn't allow their circumstances to restrict their singing to the Lord. And if you're saying, well, I don't feel like singing. I'm in, the, I'm in a rough spot. I'm, I'm tired. I'm beaten. I'm scared. I'm lonely, Pastor. I don't feel like singing a song to the Lord. Listen to me. You're going to have to take a cue from King David in Psalm 42, 11, who said, hope in God. I will yet praise him. You know what that means? That means that when you're in a crisis in that difficult situation, you don't shipwreck your hope. You don't let go of your hope. You hang on to your hope. You say, God, if there's anybody that's going to get me through this or out of this, it is you. I'm not letting go of you until something changes in my situation. And then you say, I don't feel like praising him, but I praise him anyhow. It's a yet praise. I don't feel it, but I'm still going to praise you. I, my situation's bad, but I'm still going to praise you. My marriage is in trouble, but I'm still going to praise you. My kids are not doing right, but I'm still going to praise you. I may go to work tomorrow and they're threatening to give me a pink slip, but that doesn't stop me. I'm still going to worship you. God, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm still going to praise you, God. That's how you get through it. And that's what Paul and Silas did. They didn't let their situation, they didn't let their feelings dictate, it, their, dictate their activity with God. They prayed and they sang to the Lord. That's why it's good to come to church. When things are going wrong, and that's another thing. There's the third one. Why is it when everything goes bad, the first thing you do is stop going to church? Never have understood that. It's a, can I be plain young? That's the dumbest thing in the world. I'm sorry, I should be more uncouth. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Is that any better? Just pick a different adjective. Better go over here. 
This is the place where the answers are. This is the place where God is. This is the place where people, you have an entire church family. You've got a big one here that loves you and supports you and tells you we stand with you and everything's going to be all right. Don't, don't worry. The last thing you want to do is get away from the herd. Ask the lion in Africa. He likes it when people get away from the herd. Not people, gazelles. That's a meal. And the devil says, oh yeah, you don't need to go to church. Stay out of church. You don't need church. And then he's going to eat you alive. But when you get here, he has to go through God and the Spirit and us to get to you. And he ain't that dumb. You get here and this is where you can get in the altar. Why do you tell us to come to the altar all the time? Because this is where you can pray. Why y'all sing all the time? Because this is where you can sing. And when you're in the jail cell of life, you can pray and you can sing and others are singing with you and Something happens because that's what happened with Paul and Silas. They started praying and they started singing and that spiritual activity got the Lord's attention and the presence and the power of God showed up in that Philippian jail. So I'm trying to tell you today when you decide to pray and praise and worship in your darkest hour and I'm going to use this word, I guarantee you, yes, I guarantee you that God will show up in your life. Because he has promised that I will be an ever-present help in your time of trouble, says the Lord. So listen to me. I'm going to preach. In the valley, he'll be there. In the fire of your life, he'll be there. In the flood that's overwhelming you, he'll be there. In the midst of the battle, he'll be there. When there are no more options to choose from, he'll be there. When everyone else has forsaken you, God will be there. When the time is running out on the clock on your situation, don't worry about it. God will be there. When there's more month than there is money, y'all ever been there? I have. Don't worry about it. God will be there. When the devil is breathing down the back of your neck, God's breathing down the back of the devil's neck, he'll be there. And when it seems like all hope is gone, all hope is not gone because if God's there, there's always hope and God will be be there. Somebody ought to praise him. I'm shouting. Hallelujah. I know I'm yelling, but I'm Pentecostal. Leave me alone. Hallelujah. I got a friend of mine named Odell Byrne. Some of y'all know Odell. He, he uh, right up the road up here, he pastors uh, Evergreen Baptist Church. And I, somebody said he's retiring. Odell's preached in this church. I've preached for Odell several times. I love his folks, love him, he and Angela. And somebody told me, I wasn't there, but I wish I'd been there. But somebody told me Odell was preaching in his black church, and Odell was preaching in a big way. He's preaching on the power of God. He said, God's got more power than solar power. <laughs> See, y'all laugh, but they went, woo, they shout over there, man. They've preached me to death over there. He said, mm, God's got more power than nuclear power. And then he was worked up in a big way. He said, yeah, God's got more power than Duke power. That's what Odell preached. I wish I'd have been there. But let me tell you something this morning. I can't preach it like he can. But I came here this morning to tell my church family. I'm about to run. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how big and bad the devil seems to you, but I'm here to tell you if you'll just praise and worship, the presence and the power of God will show up, and God's got more power than the devil. God's got more power than cancer. God's got more power than your marital problems. God's got more power than your financial problems. God's got more power than your health.
problems. And he's got more power than solar power, nuclear power, and even Duke power. He's got all the power you need. My God, I'm going to shout. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. He's got the power. Hallelujah. Woo, and that's what happened to Paul and Silas. <laughs> Suddenly, there was an earthquake. Imagine that. It was a divine earthquake. I don't have time to preach all this. I don't have the time. Somebody said that God, that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. You ever read down the Bible? Well, if you got a footstool in my house, I prop my feet up on it. We got one of those things. I prop my feet up on it. And they said God had his foot propped up on the earth and he heard the singing of Paul and Silas. He liked it. And he got doing like we did. He started patting his foot. And it just happened to be his foot was sitting on top of Philippi. I don't know if it, I don't think it happened that way, but it preaches good. Everything started shaking. And it shook so hard that it shook the doors open. Locked doors came open. Jesus said, I am the one that has the key of David that I open the door that no man shuts and I shut the door that no man opens. It may look like the door is shut and nothing's going to happen for you, but I'm here to tell you God can open doors that you can't even imagine and begin to work things in your life that when he gets through, you're going to say, I didn't see that coming. It was an earthquake so powerful that it shook the chains off. And I love this. It didn't just shake off Paul and Silas's chains. It opened everybody's jail cell door, and it shook off everybody's chains. Because that's the power of God. God's power isn't just for a few, y'all. I'm here to tell you it's for everybody. It's for the men. It's for the women. It's for the young. It's for the old. It's for the black, white, red, everybody. It rich, poor. It doesn't matter. God's power can touch everybody. Set them free. The jailer comes running in with a light, sees all the doors open. His assumption is that everybody's fled and escaped, and now his life stands in jeopardy because if a prisoner escapes, it's his life for that one. And so he's about to kill himself. And Paul knows, comes out, sees what's happening, says, no, 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 don't do anything. He said, we're all here. You ever wonder why all the prisoners didn't run? They were too busy enjoying the presence of God. It wasn't just an earthquake. It was a God earthquake. They got so busy to listen to Paul and Silas praying and singing. They were so busy having church, they didn't realize they could get out. Watch this. Jailer comes in, and I want you to see this tipping point moment in the story. It's a tipping point moment. The jailer falls to his knees and says, what do I got to do to be saved? He knew what was happening. This was, it was a God moment. He's under, what do I got to do to be saved? Paul preaches the gospel, and they pray that man through. I guess he locked all the cells back up, and he said, you two come with me. And they took him upstairs, and he tended to their wounds and, and, and gave them medical care. And he locked up the jail, and he said, come with me. And he took them to his house. And he woke his wife and kids up, and he said, I want to introduce you to Paul and Silas. These are apostles of the Most High God, Jehovah. Listen to what they have to say. And Paul and Silas preached the gospel to them, and his entire family got saved, and the next morning were water baptized. And instead of 
sitting in a cell with their feet in stocks. You find Paul and Silas sitting in the man's house with their feet under his table eating breakfast with him that morning. Didn't see that coming. You understand what I'm preaching today? It was the winter solstice. But when God's power came in, it was December 22nd. And things started to change. And God began to move. (laughs) There was a major shift in their situation. Now I'm going to close with another story. That I felt so strongly that God wanted me to preach. I plan, Lord willing, to preach a Christmas message next Sunday. Three days before Christmas Day. But the Lord told me, tell them one more story. Thousands of years ago, God created man and woman and placed them in the Garden of Eden. It was summertime. Everything was good. They were good. All that God created was good. They had purpose. They had jobs. They were fulfilled. They had each other. They were in love. It was wonderful. And then God would come down and they would have communion and fellowship with him. And we don't know how long this went on, but it was a wonderful summertime. It was daylight savings time. Oh, it was just awesome. But then that old devil showed up and he tempted Eve and she ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then she gave it to Adam and he foolishly ate and sin entered the human race. And when that happened, Daylight savings time ended, and it was the season of November 3rd to December 21st. It was a dark, but it didn't last but a month and a half. It lasted for thousands of years. Mankind, under the darkness of sin and slavery to the devil, it was a horrible time. It was the long, dark night. Yes, there were moments of some shining of the light. There was some short shining of the light when a prophet would come along and the gospel would be preached or, or, or the word of the Lord would come and there would be glimpses of salvation but then it would just go right back to dark again until God said it's time to end this winter solstice and begin a new season and on December between November 3rd and December 21st figuratively 2,000 years ago the son of God came to this earth in the form of a man born of a baby born I'm a virgin born in Bethlehem as a baby and he grew up and he defeated the devil And he showed grace and truth and love and forgiveness until they wrongly accused him. And they took him in a kangaroo court and whipped him and beat him just like Paul and Silas. And then they hung him on a cross at a hill called Calvary. And the darkness of that moment was so bad. It was December 21st. It was the winter solstice that the Bible says that from noon till 3 o'clock, darkness covered. When it should have been the brightest, it was the darkest on this earth because of the sin and the weight of our sin was on Jesus Christ. He died. It was the winter solstice. They laid him in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. It was the winter solstice for three days. Nothing is happening, but the disciples are wondering, what's going on? But y'all, the tipping point came. December 22nd came on that Easter Sunday morning when resurrection power came into his body. What happened? He came out of that tomb. He came out the victor over sin and death. He came out and now 
while. Everything's different. If you'll just put your faith in Jesus and if you'll believe the gospel, he'll wash your sins away. He'll set you free from the power of sin and the devil. He'll make you a child of God. And one of these days, he'll take you to heaven. Everything's changed because of the power of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago was a tipping point. And look what the Lord has done. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.